an episode that's really echoey and weird and they're doing a live show near where you live and you're like the fuck <laughs> That's only ever that's only ever happened to me on two separate occasions, which feels like a lot. I was gonna say that, that feels like something that maybe happened to you once, but it happened twice. Inadvertently three. Oh. Because as I was starting to re what like rediscover Clerks and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and all that stuff, Jane Silent Bob Get Old were touring in Australia at that exact time, but I was listening to like I don't even think I found their podcast quite yet. It was around the same time, though. But I found out, like, a week after they were already gone. I feel like you do that often, though. I just Because, like, okay, you've got this instance. Mm-hmm. You've also got that time you went to a comic convention and both Elvira and... Stanley. Stanley were there. And we didn't like, know who they were. And now, like, Stanley less, but, like, you, you try and force me into Elvira. We go on Elvira missions all the time. Look, she's hot. You like her puns. You think she's hot for puns? She's hot, she's got big tits, and I like her clothing. That girl has... Triple threat. She has an enormous array of puns. <laughs> Are you impressed by that? I did a hand motion, listeners. Are we recording? Are we in? Oh, yeah. All right. Do you, you think I would miss out on this, uh, bootay? What? Beauty. Uh-huh. So you said booty. I'm like, oh, we're going to have to review our butt now as well. Shit. Beauty. Beauty. Okay. I hope you like the birds in the background, ladies and gentlemen. I closed the front door because they were loud. No, I haven't closed it so long. Yeah. But I'm not taking off my comfy inside socks. And I can't put on the... I can't make the fan go any faster because it starts going... Yeah, so you get... That. All the birds. My bird light. Alright, this is us live to a bird audience. (laughs) Hey, you don't know. They could be really into this week's topic. They're not. They moved out. Oh. It fell down, but it was also empty, so I'm assuming he just built it and then left. Yeah. Which is kind of a relief. I checked it. Hmm. Was it okay? Yeah. Hmm. I, I checked it on the floor. It was okay. Yeah. He built a summer home and then it's like, this will be nice, and left, and it just, like, died. It was very windy. It was. Well, we had a good kickoff point, and then we meandered for a bit instead. You started talking about birds. You apologized for the birds. Yeah, that was you all, did that. That was all we needed. We didn't need to talk about their summer house. That's on you. This whole episode's on me. It usually is. Ladies and future boys, welcome. Are you sitting down? Are you comfortable? Are you listening on cat ear gamer headphones? Because no. now would be the time to use them. No one's bought me some. You don't need them. I want to pair light up with flowers. You're an LED one, huh? And flowers. I, I don't know about that one. You'll have to do some online shopping while we record. Okay. Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast that knows that it wasn't white chocolate. That is a reference to a six-second YouTube video. I think it might be an over-the-head kind of one. My name is Toto Pollitt, and this week I am back in one of my rabbit holes. Uh, this week I have returned to the art of speedruns. Uh, for those unsure, speedrunning in video games, or anything, I guess, there's no reason, it's just video games, um, is to complete it in the fastest time you can. Think of it as, like, the time trials in racing games, but expand it to the whole game of any genre. Mm. All right, whether, whether you are playing to 100% completion, beating the story mode, or any other weird means necessary, um, even if you're racing to get laid in a Fallout game, these are speedruns. Yeah. Um, I personally can't push a game as far as runners can, but I could have gotten fifth best at 100% in Lilo and Stitch Trouble in Paradise on the PlayStation 1. And yet you still haven't. I just have to do it once and I'm on the board. <laughs> I'm in the top five, baby. Um, yeah, mostly due to there only being four of those <laughs> at the time of writing this. Yeah, that's, that's you all watch, it well, This episode will have one smug listener that takes that fifth spot before I can. <laughs> I like it. They're just like, these guys suck at podcasting, and now they can't... Now they can't speedrun. They can't have this either. All right, this episode is a vent for me to talk about some of my favorite tales in speedrunning. A few cherry-picked little ones here that hold my attention. Joining me on my audio anthology is producer Kyle. Hello! I will firstly say that my favorite speedruns are the any percent runs. I know White Collar prefers... um, 
He doesn't like speedruns at all because he thinks it's a disservice to the game. Yeah, he's like, just play the game. But he would like glitchless runs, more genuine just game play and skill. Uh, we're the opposite. I like to watch someone just bug out a game and land on the other side without it crashing or any other repercussions. Yeah. It always impresses me to see. Um, Kyra, a good example of what I'm talking about is the staircase trick in Mario 64, if you'd like to run through that as an example. Um, so they found out that you could... There's a particular staircase that you can't go to without having enough stops. Mm. So they found out if you turn around... Because it runs forever. Yeah. Which is a cool trick. Yeah. Unless you are backwards. Yeah, if you do the backwards jump. And if you're backwards and you double jump up the stairs, it eventually breaks the game enough that it just shoots you out of the top landing. Yeah, for some reason, him Mario slamming his ass onto the corner of the steps makes him go real fast up the stairs, faster than the game can warp him back to, like, the loop. And he pops out the other side with a sore ass. It's wrong, but it reminds me of the meme of, you know, how do you invade Russia? Uh, no, Poland? No. How do you invade Poland? You just walk in backwards. Yeah. It's not It's not nice, but it's accurate in this here circumstance Yeah. And then they found out that, like, you could get to that staircase even faster. Yeah, Mario 64 is one of the most competitive and intense speedrunning games. I think it's just because everyone, like... Everyone knows it, it. yeah. Um, Yeah, so a good example of these kind of weird speedruns is a good place to start the podcast before I dive... Before I drive this episode into the wall with goofy shit. Um, So part one of my speedrun anthology episode is the Fallout 4 sex percent run. Yeah. Not six. No, we're not trying to find six of something. We're trying to find sex of something. Sex of something. (laughs) Um, yeah, it is how it sounds. How quickly can you get laid in Fallout 4? So, sex percent is, yeah, what it sounds like. The goal is to rip and tear through Fallout 4 and achieve the ultimate goal of pussy. Uh, my guide on this one is a really great YouTuber and speedrunner named Tomato Anus. Um, his ability to explain the fuckery that you are watching the games do makes him really interesting and he's entertaining to watch. I like that you can't have, like, anything on YouTube, but he can have the name Tomato Anus. Well, it's one word. I know. So it's okay? I'm just... (laughs) I guess. You see what I'm getting at here? Yeah, yeah. So the setup isn't too complicated, but it shows the extent of things that speedrunners will do for those fractions of seconds to get ahead. Um, They all run the game on 60 frames a second and use game clocks that pause for loading, so everyone has a fair go regardless of how fancy their PC is. Um, they also play it in German, because the dialogue bits you must pass through are slightly quicker than any other language. I like that they they clearly had to play, play through it, it. Like, multiple times to work out which language was quicker. Because if you're like playing the entire story mode without glitches, it's a different language selection. Because overall, German's not the quickest, but for the few fragments of talking you actually have to do, they are the quickest. And isn't there another one? I think Fallout New Vegas was Japanese. Yeah, but isn't there another language that's the quickest to get to a specific, like, if you're only trying to beat a specific point? Mm. German's the best for sex, but it ain't the best. Yeah. It just. They've had to time different paragraphs of dialogue (laughs) to figure that out. I love the attention to detail, which is usually a thing that. Like, I I understand where White Collar is like, just play the game because it was made to be played. But you've but kind look of at got to extent. give it to these guys because they will really like. It's an art form the way they do it. They know that game inside and out. They mm. probably appreciate the game more than someone that's just played it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, then once they select the language and get into the game, they dick around in the character design menu because that's before the game technically starts and the clock starts. But do you know who Cogsworth is? The robot butler that kind of floats around the house. Kind of. Um, they dick around in the menu because the clock doesn't start, but he's already started moving around. So they wait for him to be about as close to the character, like, design room as possible. Yeah. So they can get to him fractions of seconds quicker. And that's the thing. (laughs) All of this is fractions of seconds. Mm, But it all adds up. The, um, uh, they then throw all the stats, because you build your character that sort of way. It's very Dungeons and Dragons, I'm learning. Like, the more... I'm not a big Fallout guy, and I'm not a big D&D guy, because I don't have friends to play it with. 
but I'm learning that a lot of the systems in it are very similar. Yep, you, you fill it up, you fill up your charisma and agility to sweet talk the woman and to get there as quickly as possible. Uh, once you do that, um, it's funny to imagine the game's reality. You know, like not thinking thinking of it as like a fourth wall game, mm-hmm. but like to be in that reality. To just to have this new family, you know, the the mother, the son, and baby Sean, just hauling ass past vault security, like cutting corners, running through bushes, just hauling, just pulling themselves up rocks and stuff to get like past to the queue quicker. Yeah. Um, and that leads us to the next step. Um, as the bombs go off and your family elevators down into the vault, we get the elevator clip glitch. Um. To see, the elevator that lowers you into the vault to survive the nuclear fallout is cool and handy, but it is slow, and there is snatch to be snatching. Yeah. So, what players do is spam the pause button. Um, this, for some reason, unpauses you a smidge lower than the actual va- elevator's floor. So, if you do it heaps, like if you put the pause button on like the scroll wheel of your mouse, get on the elevator and just spin that shit, you'll slowly... like pop out on, like, underneath the elevator's floor and just fall down the shaft. So crazy. Um, yeah, this also skips the elevator doors slowly opening because they don't exist correctly yet. Like, yeah. they're there, but, um... They haven't loaded fully. Yeah, they, they exist, but you can just walk through them Casper the Ghost style. Um, yep, so you... <laughs> so you get into the vault, you freeze, you unfreeze to watch your baby get taken, you freeze again and you unfreeze again, and now it's time to get laid. <laughs> Again, I like to picture it in-game, because this dude is like, I just watched my wife die and my child get kidnapped at some point in the last 210 years of cryostasis. I gotta get some- I gotta get pussy. (laughs) Protagonist, your name selection may vary, dives out of his cryogenic tank thing from Futurama. He runs down the hall, he grabs a police baton, this will be used in a trick later, and then he grabs a traffic cone in the other hand. To work some sorcery for the center on cell 2 glitch. This glitch has a sequel, my friend. Alright, so center on cell 2. This glitch has a lot of technical explanations, but it's one of my favorites to visualize in my picture this in the game's reality. So, listener, hypothetically, I want you to stand on something. Mm-hmm. Just say you're standing on a skateboard. I then want you to pick it up with you still on it. Does that... Can you picture this? Does it make sense? Yeah, you, you're going to hover above the ground on top of your skateboard. Yeah, you pick it up while you're still on it, so you just kind of awkwardly float up, up, and away, buzz light you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is the... It's an actual hoverboard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a good visual to imagine the dude, he stands on the traffic cone and then picks it up, just kind of like, whoop, out it of the ceiling forever. It brings a whole new meaning to um, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, if he could pick up his own boots, I'm sure he would. But no, he can't, so he's got the traffic gun. <laughs> Alright, this is the key to the center on cell. You pick up a thing, and yourself, somehow, until you float out of a space, be it a building or whatever. Um, you fall out and land on the flat ground that's underneath the game itself's map. Um, this is... This will either, like, warp you back to where you left the game, so mm-hmm. to speak, or if you are, like, under a piece of the cell, which is the, the game's technical term for location it'll just pop you up where you are underneath yeah um if you kind of like dodge the first warp zone under the map there's a bigger more vague one underneath like a real big fail safe that's just a backup yeah in case you went really far out Mm -hmm. which you are going to in this game um it'll reset you and yeah if you if you go on this bigger one and line yourself up with the elevator shaft it resets you at the top of the elevator shaft, which is the loading zone for the surface again. Nice. I, ho- I hope I'm explaining this shit half decently here. Look, and if we're not, we've told you go find tomato anus. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll help you out. So protagonist floats up and out with the cone, yep. gets into the next area and sets up a punch warp, which I'll cover shortly. Right. Oh, I'll cover now, actually, now that I'm looking at my notes better. <laughs> Aside from being a cool pop-punk band name, The Punch Warp, um, it's another glitch that speedrunners use in the Fallout games. You pop up um, Vats. Do you know what Vats is, Kai? Where it, like, freezes time. You select, like, the area of the character that you're trying to target. Okay, yeah. And it's kind of like a perception check. Like, there's a percentage of likelihood and stuff. Um, if you do that while using a melee weapon, like a police baton, right? 
Right. And you do it in a, um, if you time it right and do it in a space that blocks your movement, like if you're like up against a wall or something, you can cancel the attack. But this confuses the game because it was ready to do that third person like attack where it shows you killing the thing mm-hmm. or attacking or sh- shooting or whatever. But anyway, next time you use Vats and do a melee attack, it still thinks you're back at that other spot. So that's where it does it and that's where you s- pop back up. Mm-hmm. The game's trying to play c- catch up. Yeah. Um, uh, like, yeah, it's... it's you're, you're going through before it loads what it needs. Yeah, it's like, I'm ready to do it here, and you go, great, and then you leave, and then you go to do it somewhere else, and it puts you back over there, because that's... I think that's where he was. Yeah. It's trying. Um, so he does this on a cockroach for later, and then, you know, he takes his traffic cone out of reality once more, finds himself at the top of the um, elevator shaft, um... The center on Sal glitches a long way down. Mm-hmm. So he does the pause and unpause trick from the elevator shaft earlier, which just kind of like stations you back on the ground, which mm. for him is the warping bit. So so he pops up, so he, he takes the cone, zooms out, um, resets himself on the warp floor and um, finds himself at the surface outside the vault. Um, protagonist then scrambles down the cliff near the vault, barges into a house, probably sweating and sex crazed. With broken knees. Mm. Um, he goes and attacks a cockroach in this old house and is then sent to the coordinates from that one back in the vault. But now he's in a different map, so it takes no different thing with the same coordinates. Okay, yeah. So he pops up at a place called Green Tech uh, Genetics. So he's out, he's out the front of there. Once you're at the front door for this place, he turns and runs to a place called Good Neighbor. That's a suburb in, in Fallout 4. Normally this would be where you have to charge through a camp of Fallout bandits and probably get hurt. But he shattered his knees in the elevator. So in this version of the playthrough, um, protagonist must swim around to the camp and across the Charles River. Um, once on land again on the other side, a guard dog chases him. But this guy spent 210 years frozen in cryostasis, probably with a raging hard on considering his attitude towards getting laid. So he ignores the dog, sprints down the street, up an overturned truck and over a barbed wire fence into like a back door for mm-hmm. the good neighbor area. Um, this is uh, the area that contains a bar called the Third Rail. It's a lounge bar that contains the woman of our dreams, by which I mean the closest and easiest of the bunch. Isn't that what we all desire? A Miss Magnolia in her red sequin Jessica Rabbit dress. Sounds like my kind of one. Yeah, she sounds like mine too. Easy and close. <laughs> oh, I was going to go with animated. Definitely not real. Ah, oh, fake babies. Um, so once in the bar, Magnolia's singing on the stage, and you got to wait for her to finish singing, usually. Ugh. But you can kill the mood real quick. Pro- mm. Protagonist, like, barges his way past the door check guy. He dives down the staircase, like, over the guardrail, like that security guard in that footage that, like, dives over and crashes into the wall and lets- and doesn't catch the dude. You know what I'm talking about? It's very funny. I've actually never played Fallout. I'm talking about a meme at this point. Okay. But but he does he replicates that. He dives over the stairs, um, pulls out his police baton and cracks a bar patron in the back of the head. This would so no- doesn't tell a pun, got it. This would normally start a bar fight, but he puts the baton away before like anything can he go it. Well it's not even that. It just everyone goes, What the fuck? And he puts it away and is like, sorry, my bad, and everyone's like, hmm, odd. But this is odd enough that Magnolia stops singing. So after he puts the baton away, he jumps the red rope over around the stage. And he's like, excuse me, miss, that song sure was lovely. <laughs> With Protag's really high charisma levels, he will say like 330, like really flirty comments, and that's enough. Oh. <laughs> the screen goes black and the timer stops. Thus, we get a collective dicks uh, wet uh, 10 minutes and 37 seconds into Fallout 4 and no longer need to touch that game ever again. They've still not been able to surpass Fallout New Vegas and they never will. Thoughts, Kaya. <laughs> Look, that's the fastest most of the people that do that speedrun are ever going to get their dick sucked. <laughs> I, just, I love the visual. Could you, like, picture it from an NPC's point of view, like, whoever owns that guard dog just watches a dude with just a big bone and just tear out of the Charles River and just sprints down the street just sweating, being like, gotta get laid. <laughs> well, look, he's been in cryostasis. He doesn't know how long that hard-on's going to last. The whole time he was frozen with a big popsicle dick. <laughs> Alright, so that is an example of speedrunning. <laughs> sure. Alright. 
And it's only going to get weirder and stupider, ladies and future boys. Let me start this chapter of the episode by saying there are lots of people speedrunning games. Um, Most popular games to speedrun are obviously popular games. Um, Your Super Marios, your Dooms, even Minecraft has a large run community somehow. I think they go after the Ender Dragon and stuff, but it's... I'm surprised that you can speedrun Minecraft. But that's the thing. New release games always will have a speedrunner because people want to be the first person to beat it. Mm. Like, even if you're not going to hold that And it's always the stuff time, that's trending on Twitch, too, like, so... But, like, old-school classic games, mm. Spyro, Crash, those are the things. Yeah, the, you you want your name on a cool leaderboard. Oh, yeah, because you know people are going to search it. Or you want it on an easy... Leaderboard, which is see, what we're talking Ali about now. Stitch. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. But if you want to truly make it onto a leaderboard and stay there, be one of the best in the world. Maybe the smartest move is to play a piece of shit shovelware game for the Nintendo Wii. This chapter is called "Salty Silo Keanu and the iCarly Any Percent Run." <laughs> that explains everything you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. All right, yeah, that's all you need. All right, so rating a promising one out of five by GameStop iCarly for the Wii is a minigame compilation based on, wouldn't you know it, Nickelodeon's iCarly. Uh, the aim of the game is to complete a batch of challenges over the course of eight webisodes. Uh, this was the main campaign, your career mode, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty simple children's game, no big deal. It's just... It's, it's shit. It's such a, re- a children's game that all the minigames have fixed timers regardless of players' actions or involvement. Um, the minigames that went for anywhere between 5 and 15 seconds no matter what. As you can probably imagine, this would make competitive speedrunning very difficult and frankly a waste of time and effort. But one faithful day, that was put to the test, my friend. Kaya, put triumphant music in the background of this whole chapter for me. Put the Avengers theme or something back there. That's not triumphant. That's just cool. Okay. Silo Simon had built a small and unique career in speedrunning, opting to aim for games no one was attempting. Mostly, he wanted to be the first person to find a glitch or trick to get ahead in a game. He liked to be the one that discovers shit, which is... I'm going to circle back around in my part three of this episode. But he wanted to be that guy, like, the, I discovered something cool. Um, like, he turns, a f- he turns a flashlight upon games such as Almo's Numbers Journey on the OG PlayStation and cheap Ben 10 shovelware games. Nice. Yeah, things without much quality control that are easy to manipulate. Uh, my research might not be completely up to date, but this guy had a world record in B-Movie for the Wii, Shrek Extra Large, and Mary-Kate and Ashley's Sweet 16 License to Drive. With this resume, in October 21st, 2018, a speedrun stream popped up online. Silo Simon playing iCarly for the Wii. Hmm. Did you have a comment about Mary-Kate and Ashley just then? I did, but you moved on really quickly, so I was just going to let it pass. I was finishing my sentence. Feel free to add something to that. Well, the, see, the problem that I have is you're a boy. Yes, I am indeed. So when I point out what happened to all of the Mary-Kate and Ashley films, mm. I don't know if you're going to care. Do you have a comment? Or know what that is. Is that, an, is that a game adaptation of a movie? or just Yes. A, oh, it is. So there, there, all those there Mary Kate things are so vague and weird. They no, could no, be individual there, pieces. There, there was a period of time there, and it feels very time capsuley to my brain. It makes me think of early two thousands. Like, what's the diary that had a voice lock on it? Like shit like that. There was a series of films that were Mary Kate and Ashley blank. Kind of. Yeah, Mary Kate and Ashley does the thing. But there was like a Paris one, and they went to a Jamaican resort that I. In left. Paris? No! Okay. Like, no! Like, it was like those mass oh, releases no. of movies. Jamaicans in Paris. But all, of the, but all of the movies were like, they go here and do a thing and have a romance, and it's over. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Jamaican one was um, the Atlantis Resort. Because I remember Googling it heaps because, like, the resort itself is freaking amazing. And it's like, well, I was in a movie, so I just, you know, I I had a moment there where my brain was like, we remember this. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) All right. So his run was the worst recorded time. Mm -hmm. It was also the best recorded time. Yeah. At a whopping 39 minutes, 51.53 seconds. 
During the stream, he spoke a little bit about time-saving measures he'd learnt while getting familiar with the game to do his official time. Things like tearing through the menus really quick between the fixed-time minigames was helpful, um, especially the menu during the set design tutorials because you have the iCarly Studio and you have to customise it as you go. So there's a lot of dialogue boxes because the Wii didn't have dialogue. It was a lot of text bubbles. Um, yeah, he also learned a trick in the hand-swatting minigame. All right. So there's a minigame in which creepy severed hands appear out of the void and try to steal your snacks. Um, normally the player would swat them away for a set time frame and all would be well. Silo had discovered if you just let them take all the fucking food, the game would not give a shit and, and it would just progress on it. It would just continue anyway. It didn't matter if you win or lose. Did you, did you mean to say progress? What did I say? Progress. Yeah. Prog. Progress. With a space. Yeah, it, it would just it would march on forwards. It's a game for toddlers, I guess. Um, these tricks made him confident about his run. He thought it would be safe, but this shit was far from over, my friend. Play more, play more triumphant music. Three months prior, a YouTuber named Salty DK Dan, he played a round of Paddington Adventures in London for the 3DS. Of course, he did. This lad, this salty lad. Um, had the unique move on YouTube of completing shitty shovelware games that he started. We've seen so many um, YouTube channels that we personally enjoy that'll start a shitty game and play it for like 15 minutes. But Salty committed. <laughs> he wouldn't let it beat him. He would play Paddington to the end. During this stream, though, a comment rolls by and it asks, has anyone ever speedrun this game? <laughs> Which is all you need to say to a speedrunner. He wasn't a speedrunner yet, but the answer was no. <laughs> so a few days later, he streamed Paddington again, this time with a timer in the corner. At 51 minutes, 51.61 seconds. It held strong for a few years, but at the time of writing this, I did some Googling, and it is held by a chap named Xavier RN with an impressive 37 minutes, zero seconds. I like the fact that, like, no one thinks about these games for years. Someone... Is just playing it for giggles. Speed runs it, and they're like, the no ir- one else is the going to think sp- about this. But because it's mm. such a weird like bubble in time, other people find it. No, I think it's funny because the irony is, if you stream your speed run, you are calling attention to this unrecorded game. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's such a weird like. You do it so that you can have it, but it's going to bite you in the ass by doing it. Oh, totally. Alright, anyway, we go back to Salty, who is playing a game with his buddies on YouTube. He was talking to one of the buddies named Red about how cool an open-world iCarly game would be for some reason. I don't have the context, I just have snippets. Um, She tells him this joke is, in fact, iCarly 2 for the Wii. Um, That's Mm -hmm. open-world. They spoke about speedrunning it, uh, the same as he did for his Paddington run. Um, Red informs him that the first iCarly game has a single time on it. For 39 minutes, both Red and Salty decided this didn't seem that good of a score. No, you could definitely play it quicker. While Salty waited for his copy to come in the mail, Red still had a copy from the old days, back in the Wii times. And first try beat the world record by 15 seconds. That's all you need. Not to be outdone, when Salty's copy arrived, he would beat that world record as well, getting 39 minutes, 26.87 seconds. Oh my... Then Salty thought this was over. He bested the other two, and it was over. He thought that would be it. No one would play this stupid game anymore, right? Fucking wrong. A guy named Challenger Keanu was in the audience during Salty's playthrough. This guy had a few things. He had a capture card. He had a Wii. And he had one goddamn copy of iCarly for the Wii. So you mean everything that you need? Within 24 hours of Salty's run, Keanu topped it by mere milliseconds. That's rude. I love that it went from one dude goofing to seriously competitive speedrunning. iCarly for the Wii, man. Keanu sent his viewers out to Salty's stream, who was currently playing Pokemon at the time, to let him know that he'd been dethroned. Salty tried to get back ahead, but couldn't reach the heights. While Keanu got better, besting his own personal time with a time of 39 minutes and 11 seconds. That 15 seconds gap was just too far for Salty to reach. Out of frustration, he retired from the game. 
Keanu was unchallenged as the hero of iCarly for the Wii, but somewhere in the background, a familiar face was prepared to reclaim that throne, Kyle. Remember how I explained Silo Simon was the man chasing the bugs and tricks to get ahead in the games like this? Mm-hmm. Months after the tiny fan base had died out for the game and they thought it was over, Silo would metaphorically kick the saloon doors open and make himself known once again. Oh no. Alright, check it out. Remember his trick where the hands just take the snacks and it's fine? Alright, it gets better. They respawn after mm-hmm. they disappear. And that's... Normally, how you beat them, you know, slap the hands, they disappear, they respawn, you hit them before they come back. There's a hand limit on the screen. There can only be four at a time. So what he would do was he would let them take the food, then slap them so they go away before having to float all the way back to respawn. So they would come, they'd take the food, smack it, and another one would immediately replace it, saving seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Oh, Every second counts, Kyle. No. With this, his quick movements in the levels um, that you can actually be before the timer, and just zooming through the menu. Silo Simon was back on top with 39 minutes and 8 seconds. He was beaten by Keanu again, but came back even stronger and got his record back by beating the 39-minute barrier. He got 38 minutes and 57 seconds. This is where I'm going to wrap up my tale. Um, The man who started it all came back out on top, and that's kind of cool. It's a it's a very weird arc, but unfortunately, because it's such a weird arc, it gained traction and attention, especially with a few YouTube videos covering it better than I am right now. So more people got in on it, and the current scores are even less. Keanu had it back for a time. He managed to get back in there, and newcomers would come on and take the serious competitive speedrun game that it is. Um, a Floridian man named uh, PM Me Obama. That's his name. Is at this time the record holder with 38 minutes and 51 seconds. It's still a very tight race, frankly. Um, and PM Me Obama has a very nice list of on speedruns.com. He has a nice resume. A few iCarly games, not just this one. He has other ones. Oh, so clearly he's uh, part of this world. You reckon? Because he's also got a few Zoe 101 games. I'm surprised that there's more than one. Um, and a DS game that coaches you on how to stop smoking. <laughs> Good for him. I mean, if you're playing those two games, you probably need that. <laughs> yeah, the hardest part of that speedrun is you have to take up smoking. <laughs> Alright, what do you think about that chapter of my speedrun anthology, Kyle? I just... It's such a weird bubble. It's a fun bubble, though. I like how it immediately gets super competitive. Like, I'm going to do an innocent little goofy thing and someone's like, the hell you are, and it just snowballed. It's, it's just insane, but, like, no, knowing people, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. It's a fun one. It's crazy. All right, are you ready for my last piece, my final chapter in this anthology? Please, lay one more on me. I love I, I love the nostalgia for PlayStation 1. Like, I love the speedruns that use weird and unique tricks to do unimaginable things with the games that I'd been playing for over two decades. You know, like, like White Collar likes... To appreciate a game as it is. And we've spent most of our lives doing that. But we didn't know about the shit people could do with these games, you know? Yeah. Like, and I'm not just talking about a dude racking up, like, a million billion points on Tony Hawk. I'm talking about people who, like, kick the walls of reality down. <laughs> they're punch- they're the they're the Superboys punching Jason Todd back in the reality of video games. <laughs> I hate that I can make that reference and it exists. <laughs> but there it is. Um... So, for this segment, we aren't talking about an amazing run or a strange competition for victory on an iCarly tie-in game. No, we are wrapping up with a man who makes that sort of stuff possible, a glitch hunter by the name of Tuval. I love Tuval. He's got the least ridiculous name of this whole episode. (laughs) That's possibly why I like him. Okay. So, 2013. A runner by the name of Tuval would pick up Spyro the Dragon. And he did pretty good on the any percent run. He managed to top the leaderboards on the 120% run because PlayStation 1 games like Spyro and Crash didn't know how percentages fucking work. Um, it was clear from the get-go this guy knew how to play Spyro. Like, he drove that dragon like it was a Fast and Furious movie. He did. It was very impressive. Um, and he would start uploading little vids on YouTube showing ways to optimize runs. Like, he wasn't... He wasn't, like... He would do competitive runs... But it was more about finding shit for him. 
Yeah. Um, you know, little moves like bouncing off a big TNT throwing dude or a vulture to reach sections of levels a normal person might, you know, have to walk over to. Yeah. But this was nothing compared to what was coming. Are you ready for what is coming? Uh, I think I am because I know this story. You like Tuval? Ha ha! Good work. Joke's on you. For those unaware, or need a refresher on Spyro the Dragon, the first game, um, it separates its hub worlds via a balloonist. Do you remember? You you, you were a Spyro person. Oh, yeah. You, you know all about this. Um, the balloonist requires certain items you must collect in order to get into the next area. So yes, on and so that. forth until you get to the final area, which is Nasty's World. Spell with a silent G like gnome or knife. Nasty nork. Yeah. Which, which makes me laugh because now, now I think of norks as like slang for British tits. Specific, but it makes Spyro weirder. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a... So Nasty's World is just an area... With, like, big dragon heads. It's a little... It's like a donut shape. Mm-hmm. With these big dragon portals around it. Um, this is accurate. And only one is open when you first get there. So you got to go through a level in this dragon head called Nork Cove. Um, you complete that level to unlock Twilight Harbor, which is the next head. And once you beat that one, the next head opens. And that's the final boss. And once you beat that, the final dragon head opens. And that's um called Nasty Nork's Loot. And this is his treasure room. Picture the, um, the big treasure area at the end of treasure planet Mm -hmm. you know that shit Um, you collect the treasure inside and that's how you get 120 percent that that all the treasure in that is your extra 20 percent for no reason okay simple Mm -hmm. i've laid down the system of this game i like it it's not simple enough said tuval no 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 the same year he had started running spyro he discovered if you got into the mouth that led to the twilight harbor level spyro could jump and glide through the top of the closed dragon's mouth beside it. You didn't have... It doesn't have hit detection on top of it. I assume it's because it's going to, like, move away, so it's not important. Um, and, yeah, uh, he, he worked out that you could just, you know, jump into it. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. A couple months later, Tuvold decided again to fuck with this game by skipping both levels and the dragon you free in the area completely, the one that explains the area. Um... How, how do I even begin to display explain this? It's called the Rat Proxy, which is a cool name. Um, I watched it like a dozen times, but here's what I think I'm looking at. Okay. Spyro charges and jumps at the same time at a rat. Yes. Um, the little animals in the hub worlds in this game can be defeated, so your dragonfly that is your health meter can snack on the butterfly and recover health. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's how it works. All right. So... That's the, that's how the game works. I don't know, but Spyro jumps and charges at the same time. He kind of ragdolls the rat underneath himself, right? Kind of doing a rat kick flip. Okay. Okay. This flings Spyro against a wall, and he sort of bounces off the wall but up. Yep, we're breaking the game. Got it. Yep. Um, from there, he can reach the archway of the entrance, like where the balloonist drops you off, and yep. from there, you can glide straight into that dragon head, like the, the ones that don't have. Um, what's the fucking word? Collision? Yeah. And you can pretty much land in the boss fight portal. Well, because nothing should be able to get up there. You shouldn't be up there. There's there's no way to get up there, so they didn't need to put Collision in. Yeah. You're not supposed to be up there, so why would you bother? Exactly. It's like, um, uh, I can't think of the word now, but it's, um, culling. Mm Mm-hmm. Like when you break a game, um, Boundary Break is a good YouTube channel for that. Like, everything that you're supposed to see is there. But if you just move the camera to the back half, everything's just cardboard cutouts. There's not real a full build in there. Yeah. It's, it's like that. Um, yeah. So this move with the rat kick flip is too is too tricky and precise to implement into an actual speed run. Given that if you got it even slightly wrong, it would have wasted precious seconds. In a game that's already over an hour, like you're over an hour into the run when this happens. Yeah. So it would really be a piece of shit to fuck it up and then have to start again from scratch. Yeah. So people don't bother risking it. Um, but the fact that Tuval could find weird, strange things like this in just such quick succession, like he did that a week after the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this he was inspired by his knack for it to hunt across more of the Spyro franchise, which brings us to Spyro: Year of the Dragon, the third one. Uh, the, remember the skateboarding mini game? I do that game. Alright, so the third game's hub worlds are broken up like so. You collect dragon eggs in this one. 
You do. In each level, you do a specific mission for someone. They would reward you with a dragon egg, go back to the hub world with you to help you travel to the next area. Yeah. Be it by a balloon or a rocket or the third one. Um, the boss fight, yeah, there would be a boss fight in between each hub world. And, um, yeah, you do this three times before getting to the final boss, which requires 100 eggs for you to fight. So even if you did, like, the one specific egg, it wouldn't be enough. Yeah. You would have to get 100 of them. Speedrunners up to this point would strategize about which are the easiest and quickest 100 eggs to get, um, and then they would beat the boss. Yeah. But Tuval said that's too many eggs. <laughs> he said the I, egg count I, is too damn high. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Yep. That's 100 eggs. I can't eat that many. That's a lot of eggs. It makes me think about the jackass hardboiled egg clip. Um, so there was a glitch people knew about in the final area of the game called the Helmet Proxy. Mm-hmm. This one's easier to explain than the fucking rat one, so look at me go. Um, so one of the level portals in this area is housed in a big gladiator helmet. Um, but there's tight corners in the back of it where, I don't know what it's called, like the front of the gladiator helmet touches the ground. Mm-hmm. And if you just run Spyro into it really, really hard... Um, the game thinks you're stuck in there and kind of, like, flings you out really hard. Um, it's helping. Yeah, it flings you out at high speeds, and sometimes this will bounce you up, similar to the rat trick. It'll fling you upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could land on, like, the spiky mountains that framed the area. And that was it for a time. It was just a weird trick. No one really did anything with it. But Tuval would get up to the mountains and then start practicing. <laughs> um, so he would, like, jump off of... The mountainy bit that you that you land on, he'd like glide his way onto the next bit, and then the next bit, mm-hmm. and the the area that loads the final boss is really big compared to the room it's in, <laughs> because you wouldn't be behind there. What are you doing? No. So he would get close enough to trigger that, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Yeah. So he doesn't need your hundred damn eggs. This trick would take the average speed run like down by like half an hour um it's such a big skip that the speedrun community had to change categories yeah so there is now an any percent run and a 100 egg run yeah yeah imagine fucking up the game so hard they have to build categories to house your crazy ass it's ridiculous it's somewhat similar <laughs> to the mario one they yeah the- keep like Oh, yeah, because all the star the counts are different, yeah. Yeah. Yep, so he, w- he was doing that. He had busted Spyro 1 and 3. And that's the thing, he's not a good speedrunner. He doesn't do bad, he's just the guy that... He does alright because he's the guy that does this shit. Yeah, mm. but, like, that's the thing. He is more He's Morpheus in this Matrix, breaking, my friend. Mm. Yeah, than he is known for his running. Yeah. Um, the dude talking about Silo Simon in one of the videos I watched said... He's not the best dancer, but he's the choreographer. Yeah. This is what Tuval sort of is. Um, yeah, so he broke Spyro 1. He demolished Spyro 3 to the point they had to change the rules. <laughs> it was time to target the mythical gulp skip, which is a thing that people who care about speedrunning in Spyro games have probably heard of. Probably. But to explain it, in Spyro 2, you have three home or hub worlds, Three boss fights, and the collective and the collectible you chase in this game is talismans and orbs mm-hmm. instead of eggs and dragons. At the time Tuval was walking in, there was already a trick to skip the talismans and fight the first boss uh, by using a weird swimming outside the level trick to skip all the orbs and fight the final boss in there. Um, but no one was able to find a way to skip the middle boss, which meant you had to collect the talismans from the first area fucking anyway. Yeah. His name was Gulp. Um, his portal thingy was behind a big wooden door and down a well, absolutely nowhere near anything in the hub world. Uh, this hub world's called Autumn Plains, and it's literally a fortress. It's a big green castle. It's very pretty and very well built. It's very impenetrable. Oh, so All its roofs are real. There's no land outside its walls, and no one had the gulp skip or any ideas on how to get even close to it. And since the game came out, no one had. But for Tuval, it took him a fucking week. Yeah. The game had been out for two decades, and he's like, I might give it a shot. And by Sunday, he's like, got it. Look, this is what this kid does. Yeah. So there's a wall you break in the hub area. No big deal. It just opens up the top section of the castle. Um, You could fandangle... This this is what he does. You could fandangle your Spyro around some spires and shit to get up there without breaking the wall. 
However, um, while this breakable wall is still in place, Tuval, like, backtracked over to it, walked up to it, and just kind of wiggled. A good example of this for Kaya is the Rugrats game on the PlayStation. You know how polygons kind of start to overlap and get really confusing? Yeah. Like when Chucky accidentally, like, overlaps his glasses in a weird way? Yep. That's like in the live-action Kim Possible movie, and she yeah. goes through the roof when she's trying to jump on it. Good green screening, my friend. Um, yep, so he would just kind of wiggle. And it's so hard to describe because Spyro gets sort of stuck in between the wall, but his model's still completely visible. It's really fucking weird to look at. He's sort of overlapping the wall physics, but not really. Um, he wiggles a little bit more, plops out on the other side, and can glide <laughs> around the outside of the level into the well and start the boss fight. Oh, this made Spyro 2 basically a boss rush. You didn't have to collect a single talisman or orb. You could use the weird glitch to do the first boss. You could do this to do the second boss. And you could swim outside the area to do the third boss. You didn't have to fucking play the game. No. Um, so, once again, the speedrun community at large made a separate category to house his his power, I guess. Good old Tuval. He's the Thanos of speedrun. He doesn't give a fuck. Um... Yep, he would he would compete and be the first guy to beat the game in under ten minutes. Um, it's just ridiculous. That's the main piece of this chapter. This is the trilogy. But this, <laughs> these games used to take me like ten years. Yeah, I didn't beat I didn't beat Spyro minutes. two until the reignited version. I know, right? <laughs> so technically, it took me twenty. Yeah, like twenty twenty five years to beat. It took him ten minutes. It's so terrible. It's amazing. I don't know whether it makes me feel bad or makes me feel... It's impressive. Like, I, I'm like, I suck at gaming. You're so good. You're so good you don't care you, about the games. You broke it. You don't care about reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the main piece of my chapter. That's my trilogy. He sliced through the Spyro trilogy like a hot knife through butter. But it's not the end of it at all. No. So he went back to the first Spyro game to help the 120% runs because he didn't feel like he fucked that game hard enough yet. So he came back. A week after the gulp skip he discovered, he found a trick that would break the final cutscene and unskippable end credits of Spyro 1. Um, he faced Nasty Nork and in the final moments of the fight he would jump at Nork um, do the like, I'm getting flinged away like with the TNT dude that mm -hmm. he did early, like really early on. It would fling Spyro way up into the air um, and he would, like, glide, like, around the map and f and use these flames to to get the last of Nasty Nork's health out mm -hmm. as he zooms away. This kills the boss before dying himself. Yeah. This awards him the, the final gems that Nasty Nork drops in order for you to get 100%. But because you die after collecting those gems, it puts you at the start of the map so you don't have to watch the guy die or the end credits. You could just leave the level casually knowing you've done your job. So this saves about seven minutes. Again, we're talking like in our Fallout one, we're glitching through elevators to save mere seconds. This, this <laughs> you just cleared up seven minutes like it was nothing. So there was a big myth. So, so that's his final um, Spyro. No, it's not. No. <laughs> it's his final Spyro trilogy bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was a huge myth or theory. Like, even I'd heard about this one, and I wasn't speedrun savvy yet. Yeah. Like, I remember this it, one. It's I remember this like, happening. Yeah. Um, it was such a big thing that it just became, like, mainstream. This one was like a... This was like... Do you remember when everyone looked for Bigfoot and St. Andres? It was a bit like that. It was one of those adventures. Um, this was a myth in speedrunning at the time surrounding Super Mario Sunshine. That's the... That's the one where Mario goes to jail. <laughs> Convicted felon. Um, you collect shines in this game, and there is one in particular in a level called Gelato Beach that is seen the whole time. It's behind a glass case, just taunting the players, you know? Normally, you have to, like, earn them. I think they're the same as the stars in Mario 64. I, I didn't have a GameCube. I don't know shit about this game. <laughs> um, so speedrunners would just draw looking at it because it was... um. I think it was the chapter 7 star. So you would have to do chapters 1 through 6 of this level to get to it. Yeah. And Tuval said, hold my beer. Ah, oh, Tuval. All right, so he takes Mario, gives him a coconut, 
takes it onto the roof above the shine case, like the glass case it's in. If lined up perfectly, you can sort of push the coconut into the slope of the roof, confusing the game and going further. But like, he kind of like steps across the coconut despite being behind the roof. And Mario just kind of like drops into the glass and onto the shine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's confusing to look at, but like, like I said, even I somehow heard, heard about this one. I think our boundary break guy was talking about it, but yeah. So he so he did the mythical shine in Mario Sunshine. Not even a game he cared about. No, it's just like people are having trouble. I'm there to save you. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I got this. Not all superheroes wear capes. No, he might. I don't know. I don't know what his life is. His his player icon is a seagull from the Spyro games. He might wear a cape. I don't know. He might even be that seagull. He knows the game code well enough to be a mere creature inside its walls. He sees nothing but ones and zeros, this man. He is, in fact, a shine himself. All right. So Spyro Enter the Dragonfly was a shitty franchise-killing game that was held together with scotch tape and wishful thinking. Um, it was already broken down into, like, a two-minute speed run. By tricking the game into swimming again, um, going over to the bit at the start of the map, uh, which you have to unlock, which is the portal to the final boss, which also was a broken piece of shit. Um, <laughs> so everyone would run to the swimmy glitch, swim over, go down the tube, and then do the final boss, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Which, again, even with the final boss unglitched, they could still fuck it up in two minutes. Yep. That's how you know the game is good. <laughs> Tuval then showed us you don't need to swim. <laughs> Um, to get to the final boss portal. Um, you know how Spyro has the head bash? Like, that's not a fancy glitch. He would just, like, do, like, the body slam from Crash Bandicoot. If you just went to the portal and just did that, just went straight through the fucking locked door. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no collision. Yeah, You're bro- not supposed to be here. No collision. He broke the game in two buttons. <laughs> no collision. Jump, and then head bash. Yeah, so he, he managed to cut a two-minute speed run in half. He would use his trickery to mess with Link, uh, with, sorry, the game Link's Awakening, you know, the remake recently. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing this trick too. I can't believe it's the same guy that did all the ones I'd heard about. Um, so he would do this trick where, like, you're carrying around a chicken and a fox bites you and you die, but, like, it blows your character upwards, like a fraction. But if you have the item on you that revives your character, if you have ragdolled your dead body onto, like, a fence or a tree or anything that's above ground... And revive you're up there now. Yeah. So, so he would do that trick to um, you know, fuck around, which is cool. But let's finish back on Spyro One. Um, yeah, because that that speed run is a good trick in Link's Awakening, but no one's been able to implement it super effectively yet. Like mm-hmm. we know it's there and we have the tools. Just gotta fandangle it a little bit. So he was going for a speed run in Spyro One one night, just you know, casually competing. He wasn't going for anything crazy. I got some spare time on a string. So remember how the rat trick was too unreliable in speedruns? Well, he got to the hub world, dived off the side of it, jumped like across water before drowning to get onto the back of the dragon head that houses the final boss. He like charged and ran funny his way up the back of the neck, glided around the cheek, plopped in, and the trick was called coveless. And won him the world record that night. He wasn't even doing well up to that point. Um, Take that. And up until last year, no other record attempt had ever featured this move. He was the only one who could run Coveless in Spyro 1. That's pretty impressive. Tuval don't give a fuck. <laughs> Not. So what do you think about that? My final chapter of this odd rabbit hole of an episode. But fuck, we did a skateboard brand once. So really all better off. Look, we do what makes us happy, and that's all you need. You can speed run this episode. It's probably too late to tell you this now, but if you start it, then take the little scrub bar and just put it at the end, bang, podcast over. <laughs> that's what I plan to do when I edit it. No, we haven't really done anything horrible yet. You might be able to manage that. It's fine. Not just because i got to put in the intro music and the outro music. Mm-hmm. It's good to have that. Um, do you have any final thoughts about this chapter or speed running in general before homework question? Um, I just, look, they're their own little community, and then each game is its own little community, mm. and it's just, it's so interesting to watch. And I was, even growing up, I was always a fan of weird glitches in games. Yeah. Like, none of them come into my mind, like, right now. There's one I'm thinking of, but I'm saving it for homework. Mm. 
But I used to be fascinated by that shit. It was so weird to look at and so fun. And again, it's fun to picture it in game universe, like to see these characters do goofy, dumb shit. Yeah. Um, but to see it implemented in a playthrough is very fascinating, and I enjoy seeing it. I think it's very cool. It's just interesting to see like how far people will take things. Yeah. Well, like like the stairway trick is so weird to watch. And once someone finds like. Once they find a, it, a everyone practices way. and gets amazing. But that's the thing. It's like you, the missing knowing Pokemon. That's a good example of a weird glitch. Once, once you know that something's possible, you will keep trying it till you make it even more possible. I googled best glitches in games to like jog my memory a bit, and there's a list here called um, eight best video game glitches, and one of them's Tiger Woods walking across water in PGA Tour 08. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I've never heard of that one. It's funny to me. Um, all right, do you have a favourite glitch? I do. For a homework question? I do. Vanellope hmm? Von Sweets. It's very on brand for you to say that. It's not technically an answer, but go on. No, she's a glitch. Yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. Because <laughs> King Candy goes in and deletes her coding. Is she still around? you did with your own laptop. <laughs> that that didn't speed run shit. That made it much slower. <laughs> That was a bad move on my part. It made it terrible, and for some reason we still own it and get it out every now and then. Yeah. It's still technically where my iTunes is. <laughs> what a shame. No, Vanellope's great, man, because she has candy in her hair. Okay. But I... she's also a race car driver, but she also could be queen, but instead of being queen, she be the president. Hmm. And she's a little bit Lilo, because she just makes really horrendous, like, death jokes. At the sake of people in her universe. Nice. Um, what about you? My most heartbreaking one was when we watched the Pac-Man World <laughs> speedrun. Oh, that was good. That bummed me the fuck out. Because that was a game I like played the shit out of as a kid. And there was a level in it where it just became like... Um, is it Galactica? You know you know the, the top-down laser-firing Space Invader-y games? It becomes one of them instead of a Pac-Man platformer, mm. and I could never do it. I still can't. It's bullshit hard. It's fucking ridiculously unfair. And you can't practice it because it's not a game element in the rest of the fucking game. It's just out of the blue and awful. So I watched a speed run of the game to be like, I wonder how they do it. And what he does is he goes into the corner near the unlockable gate where you have to beat the boss to open the door, and he just kind of like wiggles his little Pac-Man back and forth. Until he like pops through the fence and then runs across and pops out the other side of the gate. I'm like, oh god damn! He doesn't even go in the level to beat that game. So unfair to look at. But that that's definitely my most heartbreaking one. And particularly because (laughs) as we're watching it, you're like, look, look. Here it comes. Here it comes. Get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you 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 watched my heartbreak. It was great. (laughs) I'm sure you loved it. Um, My favorite glitch though Mm -hmm. is and probably always will be the Grand Theft Auto swing set. An absolute classic. My my theory is that the, the swings were either supposed to break or go really beneath the game map. And when you, like, tap them or interact with them, their model or skin starts to, like, overlap itself and get really confused and jolt. Like, it'll, like, shake really hard in, like, light speed. And if you just pull up to it in your little car park next to it you've already bumped it which has started the incident already it'll just like punch your car at light speed and just fling you through the air across the map and it is fucking hilarious <laughs> and that was probably like the first it was certainly the easiest one to do because you just have to stand near a fucking playground yeah and that was one that was probably one of my first most definitely the most memorable glitches i'd ever seen and it is Hilarity ensues, man. It's, it's very fun. I wish there was a swing set in the current Grand Theft Auto just to, like, Easter egg it, but no. Uh, it's, yeah. There's a there's a similar problem with um Red Dead. Remember that wobbly bridge <laughs> that just flings your horse into space? <laughs> yeah, I, I love the swing set. It's one of my favourites. We always like the glitches when a first assassin... When a first... When a new Assassin's Creed comes out. That was that was that was hilarious. But that sucked for like the first two weeks. We soft locked that game so hard. God damn it! I know we talk about it all the time, but it was just. Then they fixed it, and we were like, "Ah, oh, we don't care anymore." Yeah. Um. All right. That that is the episode, I guess. 
Um, thank you for listening. If you made it to the end, congratulations. Um, I hope you, I hope you track these gameplays down because they're so fun to watch. Watching and what, most of them take like ten minutes, especially the Tuval like coveless one, because there was like myths and theories that you could do it. And just one dude in the comment section, like, as he's starting to, like, not hit the personal best of the world record, like, every every level is getting further out of his reach. Some dude in the comments, like, d- he spells it wrong as well. Like, he does do doveless, and then, like, immediately next comment, coveless, sorry, drunk. And he's like, okay. <laughs> not like I'm doing anything else right now. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're all fascinating to watch. Especially, like, the dudes playing iCarly and just, like, screaming and getting either really frustrated or super victorious. That's another Nintendo show. Not Nintendo. Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon show. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I like to watch them. They're all very fun. And you should, too. And if you're listening to this episode, you probably already have, frankly. I just have nothing to offer you. Um, thank you for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to hear more episodes listen to our back catalogue because we might no we haven't never mind have we covered Spyro before there's stuff in our back catalogue you might have interest in I don't know we don't keep good track of things Um, I've been your lovable host Toby Apollo I've been joined by my lovable producer Kyle Um, yeah be cool (laughs) class dismissed